The problem is when I begin to believe that my local church is the point and is the capital C church, I miss what God has said throughout Scripture and what we get throughout Scripture, which is this is a household of faith. It's a gathering. And, and I just showed you the word for house. Matthew chapter 7, the foolish man builds his house on the sand. The wise man builds his house on the rock. Well, it's a picture of the local congregation, not necessarily your home, but we can certainly use it, figuratively speaking, in our own homes. But all it means is oikos, and it actually means a dwelling place, a gathering place. It's where the family lives. Well, well that's why we say welcome home. That's why we say you belong, because that's what the church, the local church is supposed to be. And then when he says that we're to build the house, Paul said, I'm a master builder. What he's talking about is not construction building, but to build up metaphorically in character and integrity. And I want y'all to know this. It's not my job to build up every single person's integrity. It's my job to be built up in integrity in Christ Jesus and model that so you can be built up in Christ Jesus. But I am nobody's savior. Three people agree. The rest of you, I hope you'd say yes, because you're going to be disappointed if I'm your Savior. But then I think this is important as anything. Is 1 Peter chapter 2 says that we're all living stones, living stones, living stones. And last week we discussed what it means to be built up and how we're, we're stones that the house is being built together in the living stones one by one. Precept by precept, line by line, here a little and there a little. And how the stone that was in Zion, that's supposed to be the capstone or the cornerstone, has been rejected. So, in quick review in Ephesians 2, it says, verse 19, this is Paul writing to the churches, because there's many households of faith in Ephesus. I hope y'all know this, but I can let this be a teaching moment too. The church of Ephesus when you see to the church of Ephesus, it was not to one congregation. It was to many households of faith that made up the big church in Ephesus. It says, verse 19, so you are no longer strangers and aliens. What does that mean? Because I was born in America, Pastor. Like I wasn't one of those people that's trying to be an immigrant coming into the country. He's not talking about this country. He's talking about this country. He's talking about I'm no longer a stranger to the heavenly place. Even though I'm not living there now, I'm bringing heaven's culture to earth. But you are a fellow citizen with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together. Someone say joined together. Joined together. Say it again loud and proud. Say joined together. together. That's what today's all about. How's this thing not fall apart? <laughs> Because maybe y'all's houses are in better shape than mine. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, meaning Jesus, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. And so that gives us a really cool picture of what this whole series is about. And today, I'm just asking this question, what keeps the house together? And I'm going to tell you something. This works in three different ways. This works for you personally, individually. This works for you. This works for your house, wherever you live, apartment complex, whatever. The place that you gather with your family and you literally lay your head on your bed and pillow. Some of y'all will get that in a minute. <laughs> and then most importantly for this context, 
the household of faith. The believers in this congregation, we are a house being built up together in Christ Jesus. So how do we not fall apart? The first one, and it's, I would say, the most important, but they're all going to tie together completely. <laughs> you get it? Because Okay, anyway. Some of y'all will get my jokes later. It'll be this afternoon for some of you. But it's the cornerstone of the capstone. If you take in, in, a, in a building that's being built in rock, because today a lot of our stuff's built differently than it was back in the day, but if you build, build something this way, the capstone or the keystone was so critical because it was that archway middle stone, and if you take it down, literally all the weight would collapse the building. And then the cornerstone was the corner piece that held all the weight and set the standard for what was going to take place the rest of the way. And we just read it in Ephesians 2, but I'm going to show you in 1 Peter 2, where right before this, in verse 5, if y'all remember, it says that you also, like Jesus, are living stones in Christ. And then verse 6 says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion. Now, just in review, did anybody read Isaiah 28 this past week? Let me see your hands. You can just do it like this if it's awkward. I'm asking you again to go do it because it's fascinating. The beginning of the chapter, first 10 verses, is we done jacked it up and the temple's going away. And there's a new temple coming. But verse 10 and verse 13 tells us how he builds the temple. And then the rest of it is that the cornerstone in Zion. This is, this is saying, here's what's coming down the road. And then hundreds of years later, Jesus came. As the so, so I need y'all to know this. When, when, when Peter is speaking this to the people that are listening, they didn't think like we think. Why is he talking about cornerstones and Zions and this and that? They would have immediately recognized, holy crud, that dude's talking about Isaiah. And he's proclaiming that Jesus was that cornerstone that came. He's the stone the builders rejected. And this is what he said. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Those are the literal words in Isaiah 28. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Watch this. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. Someone say believe. believe. Say it again. Say believe. believe. I need y'all to know something. That is the key to this entire day. So if you don't get believe, if you don't get trust, if you don't start understanding that, then we're going to miss the whole point because this is good stuff today. But it says, for those who believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Can I tell you all something? The answer is yes. I got a really close pastor friend in the room, a couple other pastors that are with me. And then I talk to pastors every week. You know what our number one concern should be? It shouldn't be how many people was here Sunday. It shouldn't be how big the offering was. It shouldn't be how many people got saved. That tends to be what we ask each other. It should be this. Are we trying to build the house without the cornerstone? Oh, sure, we would argue that it's necessary to get started. We'd argue it's necessary to tie it together. Eventually, it'd be good. But I'm talking about when we're dealing with each living stone that makes up the house. I'm just asking it out loud. Nobody has to answer me because that's really meta or it's rhetorical and not, I guess it could be metaphorical too. That's about what I said. It, the point is not that you need to answer it, but you can answer this one. Y'all look this way. What about your house? 
Are you, are you trying to build up your own home by telling them like it is and not letting the weight rest on the foundation which Jesus is the chief cornerstone and the revelation of who he is in our lives. I fully believe this. That's why it says apostles and prophets. It's not talking about modern apostles and prophets. I believe it's the ones that have already gone to heaven that wrote to us about what this is, Peter being one of them, Paul being one of them. He said, look, we got it. We saw him in his resurrected form. This is who he is. But listen, listen, don't miss this. Don't miss this. But when we reject the truth of Jesus and say, no, I believe, I believe that he's who he says he is, but then we deny him, let any difficulty come. We're trying to hold the weight and be the cornerstone. Can you just say this out loud? Declare this over your life right now. I'm not. I'm not. not enough. I'm not. I'm not. The cornerstone. The cornerstone. I'm, not. I'm not. The capstone. The capstone. If we would believe that in our own homes, dads, we could really serve our families like we're supposed to. Did y'all hear what I said? You know what I said? I, I think most dads that I'm looking at, and I see some awesome dads and husbands, we want to do what's right. But we got some crazy gene in us. Y'all better talk back to me right now. Is it not just hard sometimes? Ladies, you can answer for him. Yeah. <laughs> and ladies, you want to submit. You want to have biblical authority in your house. But the curse demands that you not do that. I know it's awkward. I'm preaching good in here, though. I'm just going to say, preach, pastor. The only reason that's true is because I want to be the cornerstone. And you know what? I've used this already today. I'm just going to say it again. Once I start realizing that I'm just a, a hollow brick, a hollow block that can be filled strengthened, poured out, and continuously filled, built on. But I'm not the foundation. I'm just a piece of the big house with lots and lots of room. <laughs> if y'all didn't grow up in church, my jokes today are terrible. <laughs> table with lots and lots of food. All right, here we go. Big, big yard so we can play football. Big, big house. This is my father's house. All right. When I start believing that this brick, my brick, is the point, and you know what? I need to be more front and center, and I need to be what the weight is held on. It's impossible to feel this way. It's impossible to feel this way. It's impossible to feel this way. That I need more attention. I need more support. I need more. Why don't they see me? Why don't they? Why don't they? Where are they? Where are they? and not eventually have a victim mentality where we kill the ones we're supposed to build up. And by build up, I just mean simply support when they're being crushed and vice versa. So what does it take for these hollow blocks to actually be secured in each other? The first one is concrete, cement. I know we're from the South, so I'm going to say that, right? I don't know if y'all have ever built or been on construction sites building buildings, but... It's fascinating once the building starts going up, especially if you're building it out of block, because what happens is you drive the rebar, these big metal 
posts down into the foundation. You seal them with this stuff that, that it's, it's basically glue, it's epoxy. You make sure that all the stuff is tied together on the outside and even the inside walls. And then they'll get these big, huge crane-looking things that are concrete pumps. And they pump the whole freaking wall together. It's not every single chase, but it's several of them. Why? Because they want one solid, linear thing that is tied from bottom to top to the, to the bedrock, that foundational rock. They don't want it to just be stacked on each other. Because if we did Lincoln Logs... Right, if we just stack things like Lincoln Logs and we build these big buildings, y'all look, it would not go well, right? It's the glue that holds all things together. And it's interesting what the Bible says about that in Colossians chapter 1. This is speaking of Jesus. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Someone say all things. All things, all things, not some things, not almost everything. All things were created through him and for him. So I could stop right here and preach real good because the point is I need to preach to Mark right now and say, it ain't for you. It's for him. He didn't create you for you. He didn't create Leah for you. He didn't create my kids for me. He didn't create y'all for me. He didn't create... Pizza for me, but I'm thankful for it. Come on, somebody. He did not create football for me, but I'm also thankful for that in Jesus' name. Sometimes. <laughs> CJ, we're going to move on because I can't keep talking about it. I'm going to get angry. Righteous anger, Jesus. Why did you do it to me? Someone say wrong team. We'll talk about it later. Verse 17. He said, and he is before all things. Watch this. He is before all things. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what that means? That means the thing that you, you, that you thought you never have to go through, that you hate, that you're so frustrated with, that you thought I could just put my head down and never have to deal with, he was before it. He's already been there. But you want to believe you're the point. And I want to believe I'm the point. And I want to scream out and cry out, help me. Where are you in this? And if we believe that he's the true sealer, of our souls that holds all things together. We wouldn't say, where are you? We would say, I know you've already been there, but I sure could use some help. Because I don't believe it's bad to cry out to him, and I don't believe it's bad to have human feeling and emotion that we're frustrated. But I do believe it's bad. Or maybe not bad, maybe I should say scary. When the reality of our lives is God is only someone I call on when I need some help. Because he is the head of the body, the church, capital C. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead that in him everything might be preeminent. For him all, this is a big word right here, right here, this verse, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That everything that God is, everything that God will ever be, there's nothing different. There's no, all the goodness, all the mercy, all the grace, all the thanksgiving, all the stuff that makes up God who he was, dwelled on this earth, lived, resided in, and rested in the person of Jesus while he was here. And now he's seated on the right hand of God the Father. 
So we had the full God who was fully man as well living on this earth, and it was, God was pleased to let that happen so that we could have life in his name. Now, that's crazy. But watch what it says. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The only way that I can have peace and to be brought back, to be reconciled to him, because I am not his son until I'm brought back into the fold. My rebellion and my unbelief causes me re to be rejected by our heavenly father. I'm, I'm permanently the only person that goes to hell is not someone that sins, but someone that chooses not to believe. Someone say believe. believe. That's what this whole thing's about today. Y'all know how many times we use that word? I don't know what it is, and I love where we're from. I love the South, but I believe so. I believe we can. I believe we got it. And I feel like we almost treat Jesus that way. I believe he can help me. I believe he can be what holds me together. But you know the frustration in your life and in mine? Or when weeks are good, we can tell Jesus is good. God is good. He sent Jesus for us. I just need y'all to listen. But when things are not going well, this invisible God, who's supposed to be filling this living stone, that honestly is just hollow until something comes in it. The Bible describes me as a jar of clay that can be crushed and hurt and looked around and misunderstood and abandoned and betrayed by those people you never thought would do those things to you. And whenever I try to control every outcome in my life, I want God to fix my feelings so that I can feel better, but he's not my reality. He's my hope it happens, but not my present hope in time of need. I'm not sure of what I hope for and certain of what I cannot see. I'm certainly hoping that when the curtain gets pulled back, it's not too good to be true. But, but if you open me up, and you start looking inside, you realize this is just a cardboard box. That I'm not really hard. That I'm not really something that people should build on. And so I start beating myself up and telling myself, you're worthless. I mean, you're just rotten. There's no way the spirit of God should go inside this box. I mean, it looks like a pretty brick on the outside because I can stand up and look good. But you know the reality is I'm just a container. <laughs> and so when whenever weight starts sitting on me, whenever weight starts sitting on this container that, by the way, holds the most precious commodity on the planet Earth, there's nothing you can buy, nothing you could inherit, or nothing you could steal that is close to the value of the Holy Spirit living in you. This is the fullness of God has now decided to live in you. Think about how crazy that is, y'all. But you know, when I'm going through a difficult time, I don't really care. And I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to say it because it's real. 
I could care less that the Spirit of God's living in me when I don't know what to do. I just want him to come fix it. But what about those situations that have to happen in order for God's goodness to be revealed to the world and to me and to my life and to my family and to all those things? What about, what about the fact that if they, don't, if they never took place, I wouldn't get to where God had wanted me to go to in the first place? What about all the times that those concealed sins that I hate so deeply and I just wish you never found out about them, God didn't want to take away? That when we talk about breakthroughs in church, I believe with all my heart that there are breakthroughs. And I believe that God can, can rescue us from things that we are entangled with and have been for years. But I need someone to look this way and listen that's struggling in some deep, dark sins that you'd never want anybody to know about. Sometimes God chooses not to take them away, so the only hope you have is to fully rely on him. And you don't try to become a rock star. Because I'm going to tell you all right now about Mark Pangle. And if y'all think less of me, I love you. I don't care. I'm convinced beyond a doubt that if I did not have to deeply battle in some sin areas, I'm convinced that I would be so prideful that I would choose to not need God. And this is not a pass, so just go sin and you're good to go. That's actually what Paul said in Romans 7. So does that mean I can keep on sinning? Certainly not. It just means that I have to put myself in position that I'm in. I'm not called to be anything but a worshiper of King Jesus. I'm not called to be a rock star. I'm not called, you know what? I'm not called to build a platform as big as possible so everybody can see me. I just stand on him. And if he builds a big platform, that's good. Who cares? But here's the problem. It's the last part of today is the best part. And it's this. Some of y'all have heard of these before, but metal girders or joists. Because here's what happens. This is both for your personal life. And I would even say this house, hold of faith, and then your local house. The, the place that you, that you are residing today, that you pay the taxes that you are hopefully paying for. That Unless it's paid for, then to God be the glory, right? Because brick and mortar, who cares? But what about you personally? I don't know what it is. But the more mature we get, the more belief we get, the more knowledge we get, the more we believe we should hold. And I just believe if we ever get an understanding that this whole thing is about intimacy with the Lord Jesus, specifically our, our Father, through Jesus, that he loves me and he loves you and he only asks for my heart He's going to do things that we don't understand. He's not ever going to ask my permission before he operates because he's God and I'm Mark. So when the only thing that I do is posture myself hoping that he'll come make me feel better. I fail to realize how buildings are built because as he builds you up, watch this, more expectation, more opportunities, more open doors, all these breakthrough, 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 doors, doors, doors. Guess what? Weight comes with that. The higher the building goes, the bigger the building gets, the more weight happens on a building. This is not rocket science. This is reality. I'm talking about actually when you're building a big building, this is what happens. And here's the deal. The higher you go, eventually you got to start building floors. Are y'all with me? You got you to build a floor and then people walk on that floor. And you got to build a floor and people walk on that floor. You build a floor and people walk on that floor. 
And so you can, you can, you can tie it into the foundation. You can use concrete, and you can go block to block to block, and you can pour down through that concrete and set it on a cornerstone and have everything happen right. And this is actually a truss, but if you can just see this side of it, this is what a metal truss, a girder looks like. Because this thing will go from one side of a wall to the other side of a wall, and the weight of that floor will rest on the joist, will rest on this girder. Everybody say girder. It will rest on it. And it's crazy how much weight that these dudes right here, when they're tied in with the floor, when they're tied in with the wall, when they're tied in with the whole thing, because the whole thing ties together. When it's tied together and these things are being used properly, it's crazy how much weight it can hold. But I'll tell you something else, y'all. It's crazy how much, if you didn't have these, it's crazy what would happen to the house. Like, think about Matthew 7. The foolish man builds his house on the sand. If I miss the point of being tied together, firmed up, held together in Christ Jesus, it's because I'm trying to hold up what only he can do. Some of y'all have tried to be girders, joists for your family to tie together what's being broken apart. That ain't your job. You can't. You're not anybody's savior. You can hold the weight of one person on either side of you because your weight is being held equally by the person beneath you as you're being built up, figuratively speaking. But if you try as a living stone to be a joist, to be a girder, to gird people up, you will suffocate the people that you're, that you're supposed to build up in Christ Jesus. You'll suffocate them. You're not a girder. You're not made to be that. There are missing things that are massive in us as human beings that we are incapable of this. And I'm not saying God's not going to build you up exponentially where you can't even believe how high, how far, how deep, how God has unbelievable plans for us. But once I shift to, oh, I need to hold this up, the building's coming down. Because I'm just saying, figuratively speaking, that if you build the house on me, it's going to collapse. But if it's founded on the rock, then it can be girded together. And I just want to show you what that means because this is the best part. I'm excited. I hope y'all are. If you're not, wake up. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 6. A lot of y'all have heard this before, but I bet you some of you haven't heard it like this. It says, take up the whole armor of God. Take up the whole armor of God. The whole armor. I've taught a sermon series before on this. I've, I've, I've showed you all the pictures of it and the sword of the spirit, breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the the shoes of the gospel of peace, the so and so and so and so. But you know, you, I, you can give me the best armor in the world. And if I don't know how to put it on, it's worthless. Amen. I'm going to tell you how to put it on today. Because all of us are going to face these things where we feel like we're cracking. We feel like we're breaking. We feel like there's no hope and we don't know what to do. 
And it says that we may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, stand, therefore, stand on the promises of God. Stand in the word. Stand trusting him. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. Having fastened on the belt of truth. Having fastened on. I want y'all to notice that this is the first thing, the first thing, the first thing that they're told to do. Not the last thing. Because how many of y'all, be honest, be honest with me today, how many of y'all, the last thing you put on is your belt? Maybe it's just me. I get it all done. I brush my teeth. I forget about my belt. And I'm like, oh, snap, I forgot my belt. Y'all with me? Because I wear jeans. I don't wear a dress like back in the day that the dudes wore. But typically, I don't put my belt on first. Typically, I put my shirt on. I tuck my shirt in. I put my pants on. I like to get my socks on before because it's a little harder to bend over. Come on, somebody. Like, I do all the stuff. I might put my shoes on last, but my, belt on, my belt's going on one of the last things. Anybody else understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Very first thing I put on is the belt. And then he says putting on the, the breastplate of righteousness and I can tell you why all these things are cool, and they are cool. They're amazing, and they're all so important in defending and battling and walking with the Lord because we have the shoes of the gospel of peace, and in all circumstances, we take up the shield of faith so we can extinguish the darts coming against us, and we can do all these things. We can do all these things, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and it's our offensive weapon, and we can speak the Word of God out loud in our lives, and we can do all these things, and they're all awesome. They're all awesome, but if we just know this information... But we miss having fastened the belt of truth or whatever the heck that even means. Then we will continue to have lots of knowledge like we do where we live. And I'm thankful for where we live, but I'm telling you in the southeast, anywhere in the southeast, it is still okay. It is still cool and it is still common to be a Christian. But there's very few of us that are tucking it in the belt of truth. And here's why. Someone say this word. Can y'all read it? Say it loud. So, just so we're on the same page, this is a girder, metal girder, that holds up the weight. And this is literally how, back in the day, especially, watch this, especially like King David. As a shepherd, when the lion and the bear would come to attack his sheep, he didn't have a warrior's outfit on with camouflage, and he was ready to ta -ta 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 go get them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He had on what looked like a dress, a tunic. And as a matter of fact, anybody in this day would have understood this context because you couldn't go from zero to hero and just start fighting because you had all your weapons laying around. There was some stuff you had to get taken care of before you went to battle. I feel like a lot of us have gone to battle hoping that we can win this war and we've forgotten to gird up. Gird up, be tied together in the belt of truth. So just look, I mean, I don't have to explain all this to you, but they would literally take this tunic and start tying it together and then pull it together and have it in the front that they literally twisted like y'all do with a towel when you're trying to keep it on your head. You know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all ain't seen it. Just live a little bit. <laughs> I used to do it to make fun of my mom and sisters all the time. Look at me. I just got my shower. <laughs> but it's similar, right? They're, they're, they're twisting it together. They pull it like this. They tie it through. And then, watch this, everything that he's got gets tucked down into. Guess what it gets tucked into? The belt. The belt. 
Everything is tucked into the belt. You can't move. You cannot fight. You cannot run. You cannot go. You cannot be until everything is girded up in the truth. Did you know that Jesus didn't say, I'm one of the ways that you can realize the truth? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. He said, you believe your father, the devil. He's full of lies, but my father is truth. My father speaks only truth. John chapter 8. He said in you, in John chapter 8, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, many of us are trying to fight these battles in our lives because we're like, I got faith. All I need is mustard seed. Oh, I got saved. I got saved when I was eight. I went to Bible school and I got saved. I believed that Jesus said what he said and it's all good. I want peace in my life, so I'm going to put on those shoes. I read the Bible every day. I got the sword of the Spirit. And we have so much knowledge. Some of y'all would correct some of the stuff that I said today because you know the Bible better than I do and I'm not being facetious. But I would simply say this, not is difficulty going to come. Listen to me, do not miss this. Every level that you go up, you can be promised there's more weight. There's more, gravity is weight. <laughs> Life is weight. Kids are weight. Y'all better talk to me in here. Everything like that is weight. We feel the weight. We're trying to hold it up and we don't know what to do. Ah! And I know I'm not the only one that feels this. And I've just... I just want y'all to know that the only way that this house, your house, and this house can be held together is if it's girded in truth. Because you can make the walls as pretty as you want to. But you got to know it. And you got to be tied together. And every time you go to make a decision, every time you go to have a conversation, every time we do anything, it should be tied through that belt of truth. We shouldn't try to hide through the belt of truth. We shouldn't try to just throw Jesus' name out there and make people believe that if we fuss at them long enough, they'll get why we believe what we believe. But we operate ready for anything that comes our way, not holding up any weight other than what we're supposed to because he said my burden is light. In Matthew 11, when we're yoked to him, some of y'all are holding so much weight right now, I can see it in your face because you believe that it's your responsibility to make it okay. Can I tell you something? Something in thunk, let me try that again. There's some things in your life that until we get to heaven, it may not seem okay. There's a lot of things that after years we're going to look at and say, that's why. But I'm telling you right now, the longer you try to hold all the burden and be responsible to hold it all together, the more frustrated you're going to be in your life, ready to just throw your hands up and say, they don't care nothing about me. How did all this come on me? Why did you do all this to me? And God becomes only someone that we call on to come fix us and not what's been holding us together in Christ Jesus. And this is the thought that I wanted to close with is 
We're literally just living stones in Christ Jesus. We're just empty containers, empty vessels that are being built up, that are being filled every day, that have access to a God that loves us so deeply. Is that not ridiculous? But we got to stop lying to ourselves, saying that we believe. Because the only way you can really know what's really inside someone is to put a little pressure on them. And maybe you only hear this today, but that's enough. I think it's what the Lord wanted you to hear today. He's not allowed you to go through the things that you've gone through because he's mad at you. He wants to be your truth. He wants to be what you trust. He, he's, he's truly trustworthy in all things. He's truly able to do exceedingly and abundantly more. Watch this. He truly believes the best in you and wants the best for you. Why? Because that's what glorifies him but it's probably not going to look like what you want it to. And if you need it to, you're never going to trust him. And this is what I was, came to tell you. Every time that I struggle and fall back into the same things that I've done over and over, it's not because I'm not smart. It's not because I don't look right. It's not because someone did something to me 10 years ago. It's because ultimately I have a belief problem, a belief problem. There's an area of my life that I've not relinquished trust to, to Jesus. And I've said, you can have all this, but you can't have that. And as a result, I still try to hold the weight of what he said, I want you to cast on me. I care for you. And the longer I do that, the more of a mess I'll make because God does not intend for any of us to stay still line by line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. He intends to build each one of us in Christ Jesus up. But the higher we're built up, the more weight we got to hold and the farther we'll fall if we aren't girded up in him. I just wanted y'all to have an opportunity today to say, I am so tired of holding weight. I'm holding weight to work. I'm holding weight at home. Listen to me. This doesn't fix anything but it will lift something off of you that you can't imagine once you say, I trust you. This is the area in my life that I've not relinquished, and I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. Until you can be honest with you, you can have as much head information as you want, but it doesn't sink in like the coin hitting the drink machine and the thing dropping to the bottom. It doesn't sink all the way. You keep getting your money coming back, coming back, coming back, and you're like, I know all about it. It said 50 cents, and I keep putting my quarters in. Why is this frustrating? It's got to hit the bottom. It's got to sink deep. It's got to sink in because you can't gird up what you try to hide. It's outside, and it's tied up in him, and he cleanses me of all unrighteousness, and I walk new in him. I'm telling you, this will free you. But that same tunic that's supposed to be tied up and freed is why so many of us trip and fall. Because if you try to go to battle and your tunic ain't tied up in the truth, you'll trip over the rock that you should be built on. I'm preaching good.
I just hope y'all can see. That was my goal today. That through this silly trust, thank you, Austin, for bringing it out. And these silly things that our awesome staff put together, and they're silly. But that's what we are. Can you just look at someone close to you and said, and just say this? It'll be so freeing. I'm not a trust. Say it. Say, I'm not a joist. I'm not what holds it all together. Jesus is. I believe once you say that and you mean it in your heart, things can begin to shift. Will you pray with me? God, if I was you, I would let me fall every day. I mean, I really would, Lord. I, I would look at me and I would say, Mark, you think you've done me a favor for what you do as, for a living or because you're talking to a microphone or as if you're some rock star gift to creation. Many times, Lord, if I were you, I'd look at me and say, in your prayer time, Mark, you only, you only pray to me so that I'll fix a situation and not because you just desperately want to have intimacy with me because I loved you first. But God, you are so rich in mercy. Not looking at my past, but considering only what you've purchased by your blood. And you call me son. You have a great inheritance for each person, each one of us in this room, and you deeply love us God, the thing that I can't get off my mind this morning and this week, and you just won't leave me alone about it, and I'm so grateful that you won't, is on my worst day when I believe the weight of the world is on my shoulders, when I believe I've got to fix it all, when I have made a mess, when I've used words or I've used actions that are not pleasing to you, you love me the same as you do on my best day. May we receive that and believe because it's more than knowing in my head, Lord, it's letting the coins hit the bottom where they actually take. Lord let, Lord, let the truth of your word sink deeply like those coins to where it drops. And then we'll take the full armor of your, your armor up, Lord, and we'll walk and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and sing, and this is what I want y'all to do. I'm going to do the closing differently but I believe there's some people that need to do business with God and if that's you will you just meet down front when the service is over or meet at the back at our prayer wall and just tell somebody who, who serves or works for our church I've never really been girded up in the truth and I'm ready to trust Jesus with everything in this part of my life because we want to walk with you we want to be tied together and built up in Christ Jesus. So y'all stand and let's sing.